Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hi there, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the RFWP, where we are seeking truth and finding God's heart. I'm your host, Emily Lewis, and with me, my wonderful co-host. Ooh, I got a wonderful today. You did. Lois McNair. (laughs) Hey, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. It has been forever. It has been, because we took Thanksgiving off from the podcast to spend time with our families. It was a good, it was a good break and a good holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had a wonderful, wonderful holiday. But I'll talk about that in a minute because that's part of my micro joy. Okay. Ooh. Well, tell me, tell me what's your micro joy. So um, one of my micro joys was the fact that this Thanksgiving, one of our daughters and our son-in-law invited us to their place about 45 minutes north of here for Thanksgiving. And that was kind of like a, well, not really a first because we've had Thanksgiving with our oldest son and daughter-in-law, but like since, since Morgan and Piper have been married, they mm-hmm. invited us to their place for Thanksgiving. And it was just super cool. Cause I'm like, we're, we're at another season of life with our kids and, you know, I thought, I'll never have to bake another, roast another turkey. But I was still in charge of the turkey and the dressing. So <laughs> it was well, good for you. We had it outside under a tree and had that light. It, was, it looked gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. It was gorgeous. And my daughter, Megan, just like decorated everything. And Piper and Morgan both cooked. And Macaulay um, came and... <laughs> Uh, and Bobby made homemade pecan pie, and it was just, it was wonderful. Fun. So I guess it's really not a micro but but stepping into a different season of life where our kids are starting to invite us to their homes for holidays, that's, that's my micro joy. Fun. So what about awesome. you? You know, my micro joy, after getting over <laughs> the amount of decisions it takes to go shopping, uh, my micro joy was setting up like our first big Christmas tree. We haven't got, I mean, I grew up with a real Christmas tree and my mom, we would have like three Christmas trees, but in, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we hadn't done a real live Christmas tree or anything taller than three feet or maybe four feet, um, before. So that's my micro joy. It was fun to set it up and there are people right now totally judging you about not having more than a three foot Christmas tree. We're going to get messages. How do you know? <laughs> right. Um, so this fake stuff. <laughs> yes. Cause growing up we would get, we would go out and get a tree that was big and bushy. And we would, my parents would chop the top off of it. And cram it in the corner so that it would be as full as possible. Because you didn't, you, know, you didn't want any of the spindly parts. So there, there is full. 
there's no um no references to any Christmas movies there. No, like, no, no. Um, and have you? And other things. <laughs> <laughs> they would drill into the trunk of it and like graft in branches where it wasn't full enough. And that's like was, full on. That's like legit. <laughs> it is legit. <laughs> well, we we went out last year to get our tree right to old time pottery. Hold it out of the box. Flocked <laughs> tree. And I have to say that very clearly, flocked tree. So people don't misunderstand what I'm yes, saying. Yes, please. We don't need those messages. Yes. Huge. <laughs> what did you say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, um, so, so this year, it's just been. And it's just beautiful because I saw it. I thought, super sweet. Yeah, it's been fun. And it smells amazing. I missed that smell a lot. You know, they sell that smell in a can now. Do they? You like <laughs> spray it on your tree? They do. They. I mean, like if pine salt wasn't bad enough, now you can get it in an aerosol and spray it. Tree <laughs> so smells. Yeah, no. That's funny. I mean, I guess you could just evergreen scented Febreze. I guess that's the idea. Oh, is there evergreen scented for I don't know. I'm making it up. I'm just trying to like wrap my head around this you aerosol. Need a new scent. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. right. So you have you're in a new house. You have mm-hmm. all the girls in the house helping decorate the brand new tree. Your husband's yeah, I- in the house. Hopefully not knocking the tree over. I love you, Bill. Just teasing. <laughs> no, the biggest risk for the tree is the new kitten um, who has been in the tree, like four feet high climbing the little the tree. Um, and the girls sit and bat at the bulbs oh, the or the balls. <laughs> so, I mean, the, everybody does. So did the girls learn it from the cat or has the cat learned it from the girls? Yes. chicken <laughs> or the egg. So the bottom of my tree is already kind of bare and <laughs> the lights are kind of dragging on the floor and my garland's disheveled. It's just the season of life we're in, which is so one of the reasons why we haven't had a big tree because we've either had a little toddler or I've been – really pregnant or for the last five um, years yeah so now we have a kitten kitten. and then worth noting the years before those five years bill and i took kind of a break from celebrating christmas because we were i was raised in a church where christmas was vilified but our family still raised part of christmas yeah, you didn't you didn't dare say Christmas. Like Christ Mass was heresy. Cause you know the Catholics are the arch enemy or something of the Baptists. Arch. You said arch. Like I arch. Did. <laughs> that was not lost on me. <laughs> so it's uh it's been really, really rich and fun to find more meaning in Christmas. Mm-hmm. And find, not find, but discover, I think is a better word, um, Mm -hmm. the meaning of it that's deeper than we celebrate 
lights and gifts and, oh, Jesus, you know, that too. Like, not that it was an afterthought, but sometimes it can be because Christmas is so fun that we forget um, the meaning of it. So finding the meaning, like rediscovering all the, the richness in it has been really, really cool the last few years and creating different traditions. Um, That's neat. And I think all of your girls are at a really fun age, like, you know, to celebrate. And I know you well enough to know that you're bringing them back around to, you know, Jesus and, 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 and coming in, putting on flesh for us and, you know, coming in incarnation of Christ. So that's, that's super fun. Is Tiffany enjoying? Tiffany is. You know, she's going to be two Friday, the day this episode comes out. Ah, and Happy birthday, Tiffany. She is all of two. I asked her, she only wants to do things on her schedule. So she'll sing a cute little song. I'll turn my phone on for camera and she'll shake her head and say no. I asked her how old she was and she said no. Like, oh. <laughs> You're too. <laughs> That's all we need to know. <laughs> um, t- she is a hurricane. She and the kitten are. And all the mothers of two-year-olds or former two-year-olds are <laughs> laughing with you and yes. laughing at you. <laughs> it's either the kitten or the or Tiffany that gets blamed for everything. And I I can't argue with it. If there's a mess and somebody says Tiffany did it, I can't be like, are you sure you didn't do that? Because it really was most likely Tiffany or the kitten. <laughs> Poor kid. Like, they have so many scapegoats right now. Tiff tonight, I was cooking supper and she reached into my bag of shredded cheese, which I do not usually even let them snack on because I feel like I've had it in my carpet and on my couch because they grab a container of it and snack on it while I'm making dinner. So yeah. no shredded cheese. But Tiff reaches in there and I like whatever. But she didn't eat it. She just rubbed it in her hands and like watched it rain cheese. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that was probably a super frustrating moment, but that cracks me up. You know, my It was one of those, Bill, come get her while I finish cooking supper. I cannot with her anymore. <laughs> but I think I talked yes. over you. I know I did like I usually do, but, um, my 20 year old still does that, you know, he'll come and just get cheese and just, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It does stop. (laughs) Right. So it is a really sweet time. Um, December and Christmas time is busy and it's really important to be intentional about our slowing down and our enjoying Advent and our thinking about, um, what that means for us. Like, what does the incarnation mean? I mean, Shanna Dinsmore was encouraging us to read uh, On the Incarnation by Athanasius. And that is an encouragement to me, like just getting back, like I said, to the rich um, tradition, the rich theology that we, that our faith stands on. Right. Because um, the busyness is so easy to get distracted with. Absolutely it is. So, you know, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to focus on Advent. You said, let's not be distracting 
from what we can learn in this season with other topics on the podcast. There are so many important things that we can cover, but right now let's slow down and just talk about what Advent is and why it matters and how it can impact our lives and our relationship with God. Right. You know, and and I've read several um, articles over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about Advent. We'll be talking Mm -hmm. about um, the, you know, the four themes of Advent and we'll get a little bit of history each week, each episode, because most evangelicals, Protestant, um, were not raised with that liturgy. So why don't you give us some of the history then around Advent? Okay. So I will just tell you guys from the get-go, as I've started to learn more about Advent over the last few years, but really started digging into it more recently, there are a plethora of opinions about when Advent actually started. And there are a plethora of opinions of whether it's just church tradition or church history, or did it come from the New Testament? And so I'm not going to get into all of that tonight, but we are going to talk, like I said, we're going to talk a a little bit of history each week and give some historical nuggets of what we know. But this article was written by um, Ryan Reeves, Gospel Coalition, and um, a few, several years ago, actually. But um, one of the things that he says right at the beginning, he says, the earliest dating of Advent is impossible to determine. Hmm. (laughs) So, but but also, um, by the fourth century, the first written ed- evidence of Advent is found in Hispania and Gaul, which is modern Spain and Europe. So by the, by the fourth century was like the first written, written evidence. I will say, though, that um, another article that I read referred to like the third century. Um, Mm. But he said probably the earliest official mention of Advent practices comes as the Council of Sargosa in AD 380. And the reason that they started to talk about this was because there was a, a spiritualism uh, Gnostic inspired movement that was going on called um, Priscillianism. And it was like separating the body and the um, soul, separating, you know, light versus dark, body versus soul. Um, and <clears throat> he called, they called it out as heresy um, because it was a dualism in, <clears throat> and, um, and so he, what he's speculating and kind of what was showing in some of the history was that um, Advent and making a bigger deal of the time of Christmas and the incarnation of Christ um, was more of a theological counterbalance to that heresy of, I was trying to say heresy and Priscillianism at the same time. That doesn't work. Um, so he said the council was not committed to any specific dating of Advent, 
and only suggested people attend church between December 17th and December 29th. But when you say attend church, at that time, it wasn't like every Sunday or even Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It was going to the church every single day at some point. But then by the 5th and 6th centuries, more firm dating of the Advent season can be found in historical records. So in Latin, the word Advent comes from um, Adventus. And it just simply means coming or a presence or an occasion. Um, but also, there's also the word um, parousia. And parousia is um, found actually in the New Testament multiple times, that word. And again, it means presence and coming, but it became attributed to the second coming of Christ. So it's the coming of Christ, and like I said, I'm sure there's different thought processes on this, but um, one of the things, we see Advent everywhere now. So basically Advent is, is focusing on what the real meaning of Christmas is. And one article that I read said, you know, instead of fighting holiday wars and, you know, don't call it Xmas, call it Christmas. And even though the X is actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> means, yeah. So, um, and you know, the consumerism and all of that and Black Friday sales and which, which is good um, to push those things back and to keep them in perspective. But Advent is basically just taking time to focus on who Jesus is. And in history, um, even the disciples um, would, um, during this time, would like cleanse their hearts and confess sins and thinking of the coming of the Lord. So Adventus, um, Perusia is, is the coming of the Lord. And today, people just kind of use Advent to count down scripture. We didn't see this a whole lot in Protestantism. I mean, some I'm sure did, but um, even in super, super legalistic or fundamentalist churches would look at a church celebrating Advent, some liturgical, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the liturgy and that's, well, that's Catholicism or that's, you know, Episcopalian and all that. Um but the truth of the matter is, this this dates back, <laughs> even before we have dates on it, way back to two things. Today, we count down Christmas, a lot of people. You can go to the store, you go to Target and go to the $5 section and buy a an Advent calendar, you know, and put little chocolates in it for your kids. That, that tradition, I think, actually came from Germany. But mm. what we're talking about and what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. Um, Advent in Christendom is looking at two things, and this is what they would do. They would look, um, Perusia is a word that's used both for the coming of Christ in human flesh and his second coming. So they would spend the first two weeks of Advent 
about the second coming, you know, because when Christ left the disciples, he said, you know, that he was going to be coming back. He was going to be sending the, the Holy Spirit to them, but he was going to be coming back. And so even then, Paul and they all thought they were in the last days and end times. So they would spend the first two weeks preparing for his coming, making sure that they were expectant of his return. Mm-hmm. Oh, I and love the, that word. And then the last two weeks, more of the incarnation of, um, of when, you know, Christ came as, as a, as a baby. So basically kind of in a nutshell, I mean, there's a lot more that we're going to break open over the next four weeks with the history part and kind of how this came to be. But, um, some people were not raised with Advent. It was more of push all the other things away. But if you're focusing on um, the Perusia or Adventus, if you're focusing on Christ coming, if you're focusing on his presence, if you're focusing on the incarnation when Christ came and put on flesh, those other things are going to fade away anyway. Mm-hmm. So right. that gives you mm-hmm. just kind of a, a foundation for those. Cause we had several people ask um, on social media when we, when you popped it out there, like what is Advent? So we're right. going to be talking about that. So to, we want to take the four themes of Advent, which are hope, love, joy, and peace and focus in on those each week. So today we're going to talk about hope. And I love that you were use the word expectant because we are expectant. And I think we can sit with the longing mm-hmm. of what is to come. And when we think about Mary, pregnant, great, great with child. Like she was, you know, <laughs> 36 weeks, you know, if you want to say that. And um, if I just if Jesus came on time, do you think he came on time? I don't know. Was he was he a late baby, an early baby? Who knows? Um, you know what? It was God. He came right on time. Okay, I have one of those. He <laughs> came right on our due date. I'm sorry. Oh. I you know I know that was like really Christianese. I know. I I ex- almost expected you to insert that, but he. <sighs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> well, I kind of like set it up for you. It was like a soft. Yes, you did. Um, so just thinking about if, you know, listening, if you are a woman who's ever given birth, like, thinking about you being like 40 weeks pregnant or 39 weeks pregnant and you're just getting to the end and it just feels like it's going to be forever and you're just waiting in that expectation and that longing we can think through those longings. Like we have a longing to see the world made new again, to see um, on earth as it is in heaven. We, mm-hmm. we long for justice. We long for peace. And oh, especially now, especially now. Because if you think and, about two years ago this month, mm-hmm. two years ago this month, as things began to start to just kind of, I don't know, fall mm. apart. It, it just, 
um, yeah, we, I think yeah. we're in a longing for that. Every generation has had to deal with a longing f for peace and joy and hope because we walk around in a broken world. But I, but I think you're absolutely right because scripture tells us even the earth, even creation groans for Christ's return. Mm -hmm. So as we look at the first the first advent, the first coming of Christ, we see that longing and even grief and wondering when it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Even though we think of Christmas as lights and joy and music and happy and family, there is absolutely a, a place there for your grief or your hard, the hard things, the lament. Mm -hmm. There is so much room for that. And in our hoping, like our, not our like, well, I hope it'll happen, but our deep hoping, mm -hmm. we not only long for Christ's second return, we have proof that he, it, he did come the first time. So we, our hope is in a secure thing because mm -hmm. Christ will be coming again. So we have evidence of what we're hoping for. Our faith yeah. has something to hold on to in that, mm -hmm. in our looking for the second coming and all things to be made new and completely restored. Right. Isn't it amazing that we live, we get to live past when Christ has already come and died and resurrected. We get to live in the redeemed era of yeah. things. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I can't wait for the restoration time. You know, creation, fall, redemption, you know, we're in the church age and and restoration. Now, I know we're not going to dive into that too far because you've got different theologies that are like we're in the restoration time now and pe things are just going to continue to get better. We're not we're not. um Trying to have a theological discussion about what you believe about the second coming of Christ, um, you know, that it's already happened or not happened or what we're just, we just want to, we're just talking about hope and, you know, it's hope is, um, one of the things when the candles are lit. And for those of you who don't know, there is a tradition, a beautiful tradition of lighting a candle each Sunday with with each theme. And over the years, sometimes the candles have been all red. Sometimes, you know, the candles are different colors. Churches who more traditionally um, celebrate Advent this past Sunday um, probably lit a purple candle. So you've got two purple candles, a pink candle, um, possibly another purple candle, and then a white candle, which represents the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so it just, when you think about that, when you think about the candle being lit and you're talking about hope, you know, a lot of things that I, that I hear and that I've read, but um, I loved the way that this one person wrote it, like the candle of hope, hope is like a light shining in a dark place. I mean, things may be really, really dark, really dim, 
And I think you said earlier when you and I were just in conversation, hope deferred makes a heart sick. Mm-hmm. We have yeah, to have let that me read hope. that. Yes. That's that's Proverbs 13, 12. And it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Mm. And oh, there's so much there when you think about Jesus as the branch. He is the tree of life. He is the um the I don't know, when we see the fall with Adam and Eve and the tree there in Christ, I don't know, is a, is the dream fulfilled? Right. It's the tree of life. It gives life. Right. And um, when hope, a lot of people, let me back up and say it this way. A lot of people have lost hope in the last two years. Mm. A lot of people have lost hope. Believers have lost hope at some time or another, being isolated, being alone, um, going through going through COVID, our country going through turmoil after turmoil, um, other countries going through turmoil, um, and when there's no hope, um, that scripture that you read, that that's an actual fact. I know that, um, I just heard a speaker recently that went through cancer mm. like a year ago, this past month was diagnosed with cancer. And he said that the thing that, um, stirred him the most because he was having chemo um, every single day, like nonstop chemo every single day. Um, and he mentioned that one of the things that wasn't like the pain of the chemo or the loss of the hair for the people that he was sitting in chemo with on a daily basis that, that made him sad, that he felt like made them sad, it was the hopelessness the lack of hope um, mm. just, and like you said, hope deferred, you know, makes a heart sick. And um, yeah. Jesus is our hope. And I know that sounds like a Sunday school answer, but he really is our hope. We are expectant in, in Advent time. We should be expectant. I read another author that said, you know, a lot of times we're just walking in this Christian life, but we're not walking in expectancy of his return. And I'm not talking about a fear-based, oh, you better get it all together because you never know, you know, when Jesus is coming back. I remember as a kid hearing, um, <laughs> some people are going <laughs> to laugh at this, but like, um, if Jesus came back today, if Jesus came back today, and what you were doing, would he be disappointed where he found you? Mm -hmm. You know, if you were in a movie yeah. theater when Jesus came back today, is he going to be? That that's not or what, what I'm you were wearing, or, or yeah. what yes, I, and that's that's not what I'm. I'm not talking about a fear based at all. If you've listened to us for any length of time, that's like the last thing we would ever say. Right. But the expectancy is that. Like you said earlier, that longing, being expectant 
of his return, being excited for his return. Right. And so my pastor just said this this past Sunday. The hope is in the fact that we do know the end of the story. We do Mm -hmm. know that Christ is going to return and restoration, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And I don't know, I kind of just jumped down that trail, Mm -hmm. but um, I think hopelessness is um, people seem to be able to survive if there's still a shred of hope. Yeah, very true. I would love to read from Luke 2, which we know is such a, it's the classic where Jesus is born passage. But I'm going to jump down. It's the Christmas passage. It is. But it is beautiful. I want to read about two people who were super expectant um, for the Messiah that scripture talks about, Simeon and Anna. So I'm going to read a little bit here. It's quite a bit. But verse 25, um, this is when um, Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus to be um, dedicated in the temple. And it says, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had Mm -hmm. revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have Mm. promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Mm. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Hmm. Anna, a prophet who was also there in the temple, she was the daughter of Penuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she when they had been married only seven years. Ooh. Hmm. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. There, they had so much expectation, and I imagine there were some some doubts in there. I don't know. Maybe they were just really strong, but I tend to think we uh, we idolize. That's not the right word, but we almost hold up the people in the Bible as like super spiritual. Yeah, because Simeon had Never this word from mistake. the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. He had the word from God that he was not going to die, right. but. Before he saw the Messiah and Anna spending every day in the temple 
Yeah. But they hoped and maybe they lost hope along the way. Um, what did it say? She was 84 and he was 80 something. And they hoped and their hope was made sight. And as we look for the second coming and as we celebrate the incarnation and we um, acknowledge our longings and where we need our hope restored, um, I pray that we can borrow from this, almost borrow from the magic of Christmas and mm-hmm. let ourselves be, um, let our hope be rekindled. Yeah. That's probably sounds really Christianese, but. But no, I think, I think people need to um, be reminded that there is hope because when you uh, take in daily or weekly the happenings around us, it is easy to um, become some, become hopeless or struggle with hope. Um, I part of this article says um, think of preparing our hearts and minds for Christmas. Think of it as a hope faith continuum. Hope arises when we glimpse a new possibility. These glimpses can inspire us to make positive changes. They can motivate us. Increase your hope on this continuum and enter belief. We believe because we have an understanding. We may also believe because it's what we've been taught. The challenge is that it's possible to have those beliefs contradicted like with what's going on in our world all of i see this going on it's true it's factual you know there's so many hopeless things going on in the world but yet i have this belief in hope i believe that you know god is true i believe that jesus came and put on flesh for you and i and when all of this is going on this time of Advent, this first week of Advent reminds us to focus back on the hope that we have um, in Christ. And we we have access to that hope because Jesus is hope. Jesus is truth. Jesus is peace. Jesus is love. He is. He is. <laughs> and, and I think sometimes we just have to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. We have I've to walk seen, and live expectantly. Yes. I've seen different posts saying, talking about hope and how even when we can't, when we're struggling to have hope, we still need the people around us to come around and boldly hold hope for us. Right. That things will be different, that things will be better, and not to be glossing over people's hardship, but to say, I see this, but I see that there's, I see beyond that. And almost offering a biblically based prophetic word for someone and Mm -hmm. saying, no, this isn't where the story ends. Because we know that there is, there is hope and there is abundant life for us. Yes, there is abundant life because Jesus specifically said, I came to give you life and give it to the full. 
I came to give you life abundantly. And some people take that and use it for prosperity gospel that, I don't know, I'm kind of jumping on a different trail that, oh, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to get everything I want. And, you know, if I'm following Jesus, then I should be doing better health-wise, financially, all these other things. That's not what that means. That means we have the promise of living abundantly because of Jesus and that he is who he says he is and that he came and and came as a baby in a very humble way. You know, we celebrate Christmas and it's wonderful. I love to celebrate Christmas, love to put lights out and Christmas tree and all of those things. And we could talk about how some of those traditions actually point back or people have chosen to make sure they point back to the Christ child. Um, but also we celebrate all these things. But if you think about it, the the time that Christ was born, um, which we know wasn't in December, but the time that Christ was born, um, there were no fireworks going off. There were no big celebrations. There weren't, it, it was a very ordinary night with an ordinary Jewish girl and an ordinary Jewish earthly stepfather in an ordinary place having God in the flesh born. And then after that, then the angels appeared. So then there were the fireworks. Of, but again, that was glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. So we hope in that. We hope in the fact that we know he came. And we hope in the fact that we know he is going to come and restore everything. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And as we're talking about Christmas, guys, I cannot forget, you need to run to scriptureflips.com and get yourself your stocking stuffers, your gifts for that you know, that person who you drew their name because scripture flips is such a great reminder, a way to keep the Bible and some encouragement in your back pocket, attach it to your key ring, whatever you, you know, want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Go to scriptureflips.com and enter code RFWP20 for 20% off of your order, which is such a generous gift to you as our listener of the RFWP. Yeah. And as we, as we close, um, I would love to close us with a poem prayer that Renee Swope from, um, Proverbs 31 ministries, Lisa Turkhurst ministry, um, wrote, um, an Advent prayer for the Lord to come, you know, in that anticipation of his coming. Is that all right? Please. Awesome. She says, prayer is a wonderful way to help cut away from distractions of the season. And you and I talked about that. We talked about, let's, we had other things planned. You know, we had interviews that we wanted to do this month, but it was just like, no, let's just focus on the expectancy of Christ. So, she and open your heart to prepare for the joy and hope of Christ's birth. 
Here's a sample prayer to use during the season to focus your heart and mind for the birth of Jesus Christ. This Advent, Lord, come to the manger of my heart. Fill me with your presence from the very start. As I prepare for the holidays and gifts to be given, remind me of the gift you gave when you sent your son from heaven. The first Christmas gift, it was the greatest gift ever. You came as a baby born in a manger. Wrapped like the gifts I find under my tree waiting to be opened just to reveal your love for me. Restore to me the wonder that came with Jesus' birth when he left the riches of heaven and wrapped himself in the rags of earth. Emmanuel, God with us. Your presence came that night and angels announced, into your darkness God brings his light. Do not be afraid, they said to the shepherds in the field. Speak to my heart today, Lord, and help me to yield. Make me like the shepherd boys, obedient to your call. Setting distractions and worries aside to you, I surrender them all. Surround me with your presence, Lord. I long to hear your voice. Clear my mind of countless concerns and all of the holiday noise. Slow me down this Christmas. Let me not be in a rush. In the midst of the parties and the planning, I want to feel your hush. This Christmas, Jesus, come to the manger of my heart. Invade my soul like Bethlehem, bringing peace to every part. Dwell within and around me as I unwrap your presence each day. Keep me close to you, Lord. It's in your wonderful name, I pray. Mm. Let that be our prayer this season and a reminder this week as we think about the first theme of Advent, the hope to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll link to that prayer in the show notes, as well as to scripture flips in our website, all the things. Happy Advent season, and Mm. we'll be back next week focusing on another one of the themes of Advent. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.